0: This episode of Life of Mine is brought to you by Tasman Safety and Training Services. Now, Terry and the team at Tasman are Australia's premium provider of safety and training services, ranging from on-site training to safety equipment inspections, staff hire solutions, and much, much more. You can contact Tez and the team at Tasman via info at tastraining.com.au. Now, remember this, the only time you'll be complaining is when you don't use Tasman Safety and Training. Righto, here we go. G'day everyone, and welcome to Life of Mine, the go-to mining podcast. Matty Michael here, and now I hope you hope you enjoyed my part one interview with Bill Beeman. And if you haven't listened to it already, make sure you go back and listen to that one first. Otherwise, this this episode might not make any sense. Anyway, in this part two. You'll hear about the hectic period that Northern Star went through in acquiring the barrack assets along with Jundee all in a few months, and how Northern Star were able to make these mines so productive and profitable. And we then go into Bill's life of being a Managing Director and an Executive Chairman, just the day-to-day intensity of these roles, and trust me, it doesn't involve having 18 holes of golf with the Prime Minister each Thursday, so... Anyway, sit back and enjoy part two of my episode with Bill Beaman. Cheers. Suck the bottle. Copy your
1: shipbox. I okay, got a radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy your post, Bill. Yeah, copy, mate. There's a chat in the bit bag. Yeah, stitch her up, there, Thanks, mate. Yeah,
0: righto. Copy that. Paulsons, mate. Paulsons. How I, now, this is one thing I've, I've always... Want to know? Everyone says, "Oh, those Northern Star—they just, they just, just bloody shitfalls at their feet." That bloody mob. Here, you look at where, where Paulson's went from, and how, like, especially I because when you bought it, you, there was Voyager One. There wasn't really a Voyager Two. To see where that asset went to, and how deep it went to, and just kept producing and producing. I remember the. Remember that ASX announcement, which was twelve kilos a ton. It just in big bold writing: <laughs> twelve thousand one hundred something grams a ton. This drill hit. How how much of this uh, this acquisition was uh, a good business decision? How much would you attribute to luck to where that where Paulsons went to?
1: Oh, look, I um, I don't believe I I believe in life. You make your own luck, and um, and it's quite often, because I, I do hear some scuttlebutt every now and again, exactly what you said, you know, those guys are lucky, it falls at their feet. But, you know, you're lucky once, but, mate, we've done eight Paulson's deals. Mm, exactly. And, yeah. you know, so, um, you know, including our last one, Pogo, that'll end up being our best asset in our portfolio by a long shot in a couple of years' time. But, um, so, look, I, you know, I look at it like football, mate. Take, you know, take Nat Fife or Andrew Gaff or Paddy Dangerfield. You know, they don't average 30 possessions every game for the year in, year out by being lucky. They put yep. in the hard work, the, you know, the effort, they train and they've got the talent. So it's no different, like I look at you know, what we've done in Northern Star and Tate Paulson's is, you know, we had a fantastic team. You've got to have a great team. And, and I'd, like I said, there's, there's no luck involved. It's, we just you know, had a great team, backed the team, gave them the resources to do it. Um, and the rest is looked after itself and yeah. we've always had that you know like our number one resource in northern star is our people and always yeah. say that because people will find you good projects they'll mine it right they'll do the hard yakka they'll extend mine lives and you know improve productivities and, and improve profitability so and create a sustainable business so for me um yeah i, I don't rest on luck yeah. and, um, we've always got you know we've always got Action B, C, D, and E in our organisation. A lot of people wouldn't realise that, but um, and we've had that from day dot when Mm. we first bought Paulsons. We had a plan. Uh, If you go back on the ASX 6 and have a look at it, there was a plan before we took the keys. Yeah, Um, it's no different how we do the rest of our business years later. And look, this
0: and the reason why I personally don't think it was luck either. And this is I was. (laughs) When I was up there and you were just like, you know, Northern Stars killing the pig, like you were debt free and absolutely fuck all. Like you paid that 40 million off so quick and you're sitting there, you got cash in the bank, you Northern Stars, you know, Paulson's pumping out the ounces and everyone's thinking, oh, when are they going to buy more? When are they going to buy another mine? Like I think gold was like, that's when I think the US gold price was, I think the dollar was about parity and the US was up near 1800. And like, so it was great, like... Gold was the, the flavour of the month, and like everyone's thinking, oh, when's when's Billy going to buy bloody buy more mines? But you pay, I think you had that exploration going on in the Ashburton area, but you were, you showed so much patience. I think just looking from the outside, just from the, the ground floor, just it, you could feel that there was so much patience shown to hold on to Paulson's get you know such a healthy balance sheet. But then when those barrack assets popped up, bang, just pounced. Like you could you could have easily acquired a an like a, a lower tier asset prior to that because you you were in such a great position. But you I just think the patience that you, the business showed it just look paid off dividends. And then look yep. you got those those barrack assets popped up for probably a, I assume a pretty
1: good price for what you've
0: what you've created out of them. And then Jun D like am I on the money there? <laughs>
1: Uh, look mate you, you're dead right like we as I said a bit earlier is we've always got a plan in Northern Star so yeah. we've always run a business development team so even when I bought Paulson's we didn't stop business development um, you just have to be patient and you always you know quite often the best answer is no yeah. and it's the same with underground with miners mate sometimes mm. the best answer is no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, when they want but more least, money yeah at least yeah. you'll get an answer and you'll get yeah. a reason behind it. but yeah. sometimes that's all people need but um but no, that we we always ran active BD. You just wouldn't have seen it, um, and we always do, and we still do now. But um, but it's about seizing the right opportunity at the right time as well, and and that's not luck. That's actually discipline mm. um, is the way to do it. There's a lot of stuff that's never seen in the light of day, and I can't talk about it on this microphone. But yep. but um, yeah, we are, and it's an interesting comment. We are patient, and you know, even the last transaction um, in Alaska, you know. As one of my board members, board members said, "It's been four years since this, uh between Jundy and and is oh, that right? Yeah. So we are yeah. patient. Um, mm. We create a lot of value in between by focusing on the operations, but when the right opportunity comes up, we seize on it. So yeah, um, yeah. So look, we we are aggressive and that sort of stuff, but we don't need to grow for the sake of growing. I don't need another." Yeah, you know, we've got 2,600 people in our business and we don't need another 2,600 just to be bigger. So yep. it's about seizing the right opportunities. So is, that, is that a bit of a trap
0: that a lot of mining companies fall into trying to focus on inorganic growth more than... like you, you've, Northern Star's massive on organic growth. That's the, probably the foundation of why you've been so successful. Do you think a lot of companies probably fall into the trap of just trying to buy something for the sake of it to grow?
1: Yeah, look, it, well, history shows you that that's correct. But, you know, I look at our operations and and you just look at the productivity improvements that we've got out of those operations and, you know, why, why do you need to go and buy something when you can, you know, get that jumbo instead of doing 200 metres a month or 150 an error to get it up to 300 or 350 per month and the flow-on effect with that and the extra tonnes and ore tonnes and stope tonnes and then obviously goes through your mill. There's so much value you can create by just getting your own operations, getting the productivity levels up to, you know, if you and we'll talk about Jundee later on, but you look at some of the productivities at Jundee or our Kandana operations or what we're doing at Pogo, the value creation by getting you know those underground crews, you know, getting their productivity levels that far outwise going and buying something.
0: Yeah, and then look, that that leads into what I was going to ask you about.
1: So all oh, yeah, my probably. all my opposition, all my opposition, all the other companies make make sure those operators out there, you know, just keep your productivities low. <laughs> you know, only one half a cut a shift, you know. Yeah, yeah only, yeah. only fifty buckets out of the <laughs> stokes, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah. Then we'll come and buy us and we'll share in the spoils. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, look, and you have probably answered the question. This is why you, you've gone in and you said, why? And you, you'd probably looking back on it, you'd think now, why would a company like Newmont? Why would you want to sell an asset like? Jundi. and and look i'm sure there's, there's plenty plenty more to it than that but and yet you, you've, you've pretty much answered the question it's like and it's why northern star can make assets that assets so profitable that other companies want to sell and i'll get, i'll gather productivity and look you and you're all run by miners like guys from mining contractors you know you know how to get the cuts you know how to get the tons you know how to get it safely and you know you know you know how to focus on – you know how to get productivity and be safe at the same time, essentially, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, um, when you buy out of the, the top tiers or the majors or whatever you want to call them, it's like they're great custodians, of the assets, so they've built them well. Like you inherit great infrastructure. We inherited fantastic teams. Like all our operators and staff and technical staff out of those operations, they're all the same people. Yep. Um, we just installed our own GM in there um you know so that's what's what i look back on what we've done and i look at the crews i'm so proud of the teams and what they've done because it's all the existing teams that yep. we didn't parachute people in um you know we we just you know gave them the gave them the runway to do what they've always wanted to do yep. um you know taken away you know we've you know you risk assessing you know you're not compromising safety but you know it was just stupid things at plutonic you know you you know I think there was two people out of the whole crew that were bloody had a ticket to clear headings after blasting we got everyone inducted to do it yeah so we're losing 2 you know we're losing two hours a shift just clearing bloody headings yeah after firing time it's like so we got everyone inducted and all of a sudden bang you know give them all gas monitors gas bloody detectors and and all of a sudden we got that time back so just little things you're not compromising safety but you're just empowering the workers to do it so but you know look you know, I'll be diplomatic about you know because you know we've got great relationship with the majors, but you know about one thing we've been able to do that probably bigger companies can't do is deploy capital heaps quicker. So like turn declines on and you know and buy new jumbos and is that, and is that just a, re- a red tape
0: sort of thing? Yeah, by, it's, you just, mean by well, that? it's just
1: you know we we understand the capital needs to be spent. You know it needs mm. to be spent now. We don't we don't have to wait for a twelve month process to to you know and then. What you find in those big companies, all, they all—they have to trade capital off around the world. So, like, mm. if they're building a big operation in Argentina or Chile or whatever, you know, they might be spending five, six billion, you know, trying to get a new jumbo in Buddy Kalgoorlie against something that's five bill and it's, you know, it's an asset that's going to go for 50 years. Mm. It's pretty hard ass, you know what I mean? So right. that—that's what was happening with those organisations at the time we were buying. Is they were juggling capital around their organisations and we can deploy that really quickly so you know we got in there and you know a lot of the stuff we've implemented is is action plans that they already had but just you know just it was just time to implement yeah um so hence you know you look at jundee and i take my hat off to the team up there and you know our technical and managerial team um to burn cut you know like if you asked burn cut three years ago could they get the productivity levels of getting out of jundee now you know we're averaging 380 to 390 meters per month per jumbo and there's four jumbos there yeah and um, we used to have five and it was still averaging that you know if you ask me those average meters across that size fleet anywhere in australia i'd say it'd be hard asked to average three eighty, three ninety 390 per per jumbo yep and, know,
0: and maintaining the standards that burn Cup pride themselves on too yep. like it's um she's not ripped tear bus mining like it's yeah i've, yep. I've worked with them i know how they operate and it's um
1: Mate, we're turning <laughs> over 40, 50 stopes a month there you know they're only yep. two and a half, three thousand 3,000 tonne stoves so the activity mm-hmm. and iterations of work there is is bloody huge but you know that comes back to I guess the DNA of Northern Star is you know we own or operate at two of our sites and we've got burn cut at, at the third one um, but those contract management skills you know learning mm-hmm. how to you know get around contracts navigate contracts what works what incentivizes contractors mm-hmm. um, I think that's a skill set because of our DNA and our background we understand that great we sat burn cut down and you know what do you guys want out of it what do we want out of it let's take away the roadblocks and you know they're hard discussions amongst your own management saying guys mm. you know, you've got to look yourself in the mirror and say how do we hold up these people and what are we doing to to slow them down and and if you you get the chance to go to Jundee and see how well-oiled it is that it's an extraordinary operation and the iterations of work and, and how it's managing from both sides yeah um, we don't burn cut aren't a contract to us mate. they're a, they're a business partner
0: Oh, it's it's funny you just say that, and I was just reading in your foyer while I was waiting the 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 um, site site description pamphlets you got out the front and i was just reading the John D one and the one or well, the one thing i remembered from reading it i don't remember much when i read but uh <laughs> how it said you like it's a the the relationship there i forget the exact wording but it's uh it's a it's a it's like a joint venture you don't there's no duplication of roles like it's a it's a that's how the 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 mine side is structured you got northern star and burncutter in one thing you haven't got bloody two a client foreman and a mine foreman just doing the same thing essentially and no. look and, that, and that's how and it's those little one percenters that are they're, they're probably worth a lot more than one percent when you bring wages into it but that, no but that's that, right that's like we
1: you know at jundee you know you, you know we've got such a large workforce up there under especially from the underground side you know like when you look at you know five jumbos we've got seven hole drills there now seven yeah. bloody long hole drills and a fleet of trucks and loaders and, and all the stuff that goes with it but you know like our management is, you know, we've got you know, I've got to give Fisher mention up there, otherwise he'll kill me. But you know <laughs> our our foreman Fish, you know, like he's been there for donkeys years and through and through Northern Star and you know, there's him and an offsider and that's it, mate. That, that you know, that we don't have to we don't have to keep check of burn Cup, you know what I mean? That so yep. that's a great relationship when you when you basically just got your sort of, your couple of foremen basically, you know, just making sure that things are, you know, getting connected between them and us, you know, so that's a great relationship.
0: Oh, and then just the, the years, well, God, decades of bloody knowledge that Burn card have of Jundee, of the asset, like they've been there. How, how long have they actually been there for now? I oh, I can I'll tell you, mate, you they this. kicked
1: me out in 2004. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we lost the contract in 2004 with Case, so... um yeah, so they've been there for a long time. Yeah, and it's fifteen years now. It's yeah. coming; it would be just about bang on fifteen years today.
0: Yeah, and look, same then. Burncut the same. and Burncut like Burncut at Telfer like those. Yeah, Bar-Minko and Burncut and Cut have held a lot of contracts for so long. Like you know, Barminko at Sunrise, Burncut at Telfer, Jun D like they, they 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 usually stay there. and It's a testament to the, I guess that local knowledge they, they keep at those joints. Yep. Now, Jun D, how long were you? How long were you scoping it before you? I guess Northern Star as a business was Scope and Jundee as a potential asset so I I know when I just personally when the stock stock market announcement come out you're like fuck me buddy who would have thought Northern Star would buy Jundee and it was just like holy shit they're the big time now
1: mate it was a holy shit moment because (laughs) we announced we announced late December you know Plutonic in 2013 and then like early January we announced buying Kalgoorlie Operations Kandana and Kanauna and then the following month, we announced D. So, yeah. like, we, we were basically buying a mine a month. Yep. And uh, and it's fair to say, it's like... A
0: substantial size fucking mine. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, we, we copped, like, there was a lot of industry noise at the time. Like, oh, my God, they're bitten off more than they can chew. They're going to come unstuck, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, nothing. You know, like I said, it's all the same teams and and you know our BD team is the integration team and guys like Stralo on that and Jonesy yep. and all these guys you know got on site day one you know and, and no different Alaska mate we were there for a month before we got the keys um, and that's one of our keys so look you know if you go back to you know just the, the barracks side of things you know when, when those assets come up you know it was like you know you nearly would be working for us mate because we missed out on the first trance of sales you know, yep. Agnew Granny Smith and, um, and uh, sorry Lawless and bloody and that so um yeah it's uh you know when those assets come up you had to grab them and, and jundee like we'd been working on that for 12 months yep. so the whole sale process through Barrick with at, you know at the same time as i well was negotiating with with uh, newmont to to grab jundee so and it wasn't for sale mate it was it was something we just tapped on the door cold cold email yeah a guy in denver who who um, was, you know, gracious enough to reply and take a meeting two months later, and <laughs> twelve months later we've, we 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 rock up and we we own the mine. Yeah,
0: and was it just just I couldn't help but noticing on the way in Northern Stars on level one and uh, Newmont Australia's on level two, was that a bloody bit of a help or was that was that even that were they here when that was going on? Yeah, look, they were definitely. <laughs> caught you out but
1: uh, <laughs> no we are we, we in Stirling then when um, but they were yeah but they did offer us the offer as soon as we'd done the deal they did offer us a very discounted rate to, to come in oh and, like, right oh, so floor.
0: you weren't were, yeah I, I thought uh, I thought when you said you uh, knocked on the door you just literally got the elevator
1: to the level up no <laughs> no there was, um, was not many people locally knew that we were, um, we were talking to them about the assets so um, but nah, look, they, they look fantastic to deal with Newmont an unbelievable organisation and and we got great relationships with those guys and, and we'll partner with those guys in years yep. to come on other stuff. Um, they're great operators and and they did, you know, it was a, a win-win for both parties. And Because um,
0: they they essentially wanted to, did they want to get out of the underground, like a bit less underground? Oh, it just had a
1: short, it had a short mine life. It, it only had a two-year mine plan and it was one of those ones that you had to deploy capital really quickly, otherwise literally you were turning the lights out in two years. Yep. And, um, and, come to you know larger companies that are big moving wheels it's very hard to deploy that capital so you know for us we could deploy it and stop putting the lights out in two years time and the rest is history yep. otherwise literally that mine would have been every mine we've looked at paulson's was only seven months yep. and the lights are off um you know kalgoorlie and and uh and pluto and all that they literally only had two year mine lives and they weren't shutting shop so you know we had to invest capital really quickly and and the rest is history but if we didn't if someone else and they carried on those mines would all be shut now
0: yeah yeah and look look the, the i guess this applies to all the all the mines the, the, your, your barrack assets jundee which is newmont uh, look especially pogo bit of a question off the cuff here but how do just the i guess the process and the you're going into these mines you're taking them over and you're battling the cultures that have been instilled in those mindsets, and look, I assume especially Pogo because you're bringing in bulk, Stope and long and jump, Bolton with jumbos, Bolton and mission with
1: a jumbo, yeah, I mean, with the first in North America.
0: I saw the video, and mate, like just, Aussie
1: that, that's boys just are smashing
0: a, it over there. But that's just a challenge. That'd be such a challenge in itself to, oh, not a challenge. Maybe I'd say you'd see it as an opportunity, but it to to really you got to you got to get that northern star culture in there and a lot of that it's very lot productivity based where you because you're turning these mines that might have been as productive into making them work via productivity improvements is that i get you've probably refined it over the years how you've done it but is there like a bit of an onboarding sort of strategy northern star take there
1: oh look you you have to have a plan yeah absolutely so we've, we've always got an like i say is is our implementation team and our operational team have been there and done it a number of times. Um, and it's pretty simple. We're, we've all been there and done those roles before. Um, so there's nothing that we don't sort of know and, and can't, you know, talk and communicate with. And, and we sit down with every crew and, and tell them what we expect and what we're trying to do and we listen to what they what's holding them up and how to go about it. So, you know, you, you only get a period of opportunity to make change so it doesn't matter what business or culture you do. If, something, if you have a major change like an ownership, the basic rules are you've got six months to enact change when you've got an engaged workforce that you know, wants to look at things differently. And, and when you look at, you know, we're pretty brutal when we go in and we say, guys, this mine is shut in two years. Yep. If we don't change and do X, Y, Z, it will be shut in two years. Yep. So you know, like we, we don't sugarcoat it. Um, and what you find is the workforce reacts really quickly because they already know it. Mm. Well, they, it's they, in their beds. They all know interest, it. Yeah, you know, when you know when declines stop, mate, you know what happens when the decline stops? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the mine's gonna shut in two years. It's yeah. a good rule of thumb. Yeah. So, um, you know, like they everyone's everyone knew what was happening in these operations. So they're all engaged to be able to you know, they want to change, yeah? They're coming up with the ideas that this is what we need to do. So, um, but you only get six months window and mm. um, and that's one thing that we you know and there's a lot of change, like it's it's uncomfortable. Change is uncomfortable mm. but if you keep articulating, talking it to your workforce, um, and they start to have some wins and see those improvements and, and what comes, it all looks after itself. Yeah,
0: and look, the again back to this bloody the flow and effect of all the Northern Star workers, like Ted, Sean Stewart. He was the Jumbo operator uh, one of the first ones at Paulson's when I was there, part of that inaugural crew. He's uh, he's over at Pogo now, isn't he? On the on the Jumbo there, so it's uh, how, how have they have they got much of the, the locals? Are they training locals up to bolt with the jumbos? It's absolutely. there. no.
1: Look, yeah, we've taken a view that you know, you, you want to do it with the local workforce because you know yeah. it's a great, you know, there's a great opportunity over North America. Yeah, yeah, I can say this on air. There's going to be a lot of Australian miners get sucked in North America in the next two, three, four years. Yeah, you know, the burn cuts and bar are trying to get in there. Mm. The clients want them to get in there. We're over there. So it's huge opportunities and you don't need to work in Africa anymore. Anyone yeah. listening, stuff Africa. Mm. You can go and work in North America and, you and deal travel deal with minus 40 but you don't
0: get malaria. That, <laughs> that, that should be the headline. Mate,
1: <laughs> minus 40. Come on. You might get a couple of days of that. Uh, and, and no, mate,
0: we're all about GST. On and it's point. underground. It doesn't matter. It's
1: the same temperature underground. Yeah. If I told you the tax rates, you'd all want to jump in Alaska <laughs> too. Mate, income tax is about 20%. That's it. Yeah, right. So yep. pretty, pretty attractive and it's a beautiful yep. place. But... It, it, it's those opportunities are you know are in those 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 locations so but um mate the locals over there have really embraced change if yep. we are literally doing massive wholesale changes you know like we're bolting and messing with jumbos we're bringing in long hole open stoping um yep. emulsion charge ups uh, you know we've got the bloody uh Miniver, bloody clino on the long hole yep. rigs we've got the semi-autonomous loaders all this shit fully automated jumbo yeah. Um, just We pay you guys too much, don't we? Yeah, especially, especially the expat <laughs> ones you'll be sending uh, over there. Nah, them. not only, only, <laughs> only joking. But no, look, all that stuff, and, and from a technical perspective, the geology and the mining, engineering, designs, and, and mapping, and set, all that sort of stuff, we're bringing in what you do every day of the week here in Australia, um, we're bringing in North America. If I was to do that change on Australians, I'd get run out of town pretty quick. Yeah, right. But the, yeah. the Americans have been excellent, mate. I can't yep. compliment that workforce enough. Yeah. To embrace change because we are turning everything mm. even accounting software bloody you, you name it yep um but they're embracing it and we you know we're showing really good improvement over there and mm um and you yeah, know we've got jumbo operators bolting a mission american jumbo operators yep. bolting a mission with the jumbo
0: yeah and, and but look all this stuff you're changing like you got to look at it like and i'm sure and that's what the, the message you deliver like you're giving them more you, you're bringing mine life like this change is bringing mine life and it's it's jobs it's that's a hundred percent yeah hundred percent it's, it's it's uh it's that community response community responsibility mm-hmm. that you and that, look that's why I'm, that's why we're all in mining, essentially. Mining brings well, mate, so much it. great things to towns. No,
1: you're right. Like, yeah. you take our Australian assets, we bought them with a two-year mine life, and that's five years ago. It's yeah. five years since we owned Jundee now. And they've still got a plus 10-year visibility on them at this stage yeah. without, you know, more drilling. So, you know, that's the extraordinary, you know, and then that flows on. Everyone gets the, the opportunities to progress their career, hopefully get off the jumbo and go and do something else you now <laughs> yeah. ship bossing and then foreman and project manager and all that sort of stuff but you know like we've got that view and and you know stewie's actually an advocate and he's saying is the best way to get a promotion uh best way to get a pay rise is get a promotion yep and that's sort of one of their mottos and there's a lot of people in our organization um you know that have benefited from that yep
0: yeah yeah cool mate well, we'll have a breather in a tick but um because i'm going to get on to I guess the more life of uh, the life of the day-to-day life of Bill. But uh, one one thing I want to ask you about that Pogo, like you, you always hear the Aussie guys saying, oh, fucking North Americans are useless. They don't bolt with jumbos. But I do hear, then you do hear a lot of people say there's a lot of stuff they do better. There's some stuff they actually do better over there in North America than we do in Australia. Is there, I guess what, what did you, is there some, you learn something, you can learn something from the shittest mindset in the world. But, what what did you get when you went over to
1: Alaska? Is there what is there something you saw over there? Just one thing you like shit? That's not a bad idea, mm-hmm. mate. You're right. Look, I've probably visited 150 mines in my career, um, and even the crappiest ones I saw in South Africa. Yep. Um, you pick up some stunning things going. That's cool. We should be doing that back at home. So mm. it's a good comment because you're mm. right. Even in the worst run mines, you see something good. Um, look, uh, Alaska was, you know, it was probably the most australianized mine that we'd seen in north america looking around and, and it was actually developed by a tech um mining engineer that actually worked here in in australia for seven years he worked up at palara yep. um, and he saw the decline mining and went bugger me that's a great concept and he took it into there so um so the, you know we had a, a good head start looking at that um it, it's they do do things differently like it, they weren't quite as antiquated at Pogo as what you see in some others. Like they're not bolting and meshing off bloody um, scissor lifts, you know, which the yep. Canadians love doing. Yep. Um, at least they were using bolters and stuff like that. Um, but look, they do infrastructure really well up there. That's mm. one thing you'll see in the mines is how they build them, man. They build them really well. Yep. Um, like these are built for 30, 40 plus year mine lives. As and, in like your substations and oh, just The and infrastructure, everything. like your mill, your offices, your oh, complexes, right. yep. your yep. workshops. Um, underground infrastructure, you know the, you know, the pumping systems. Like they, they, they do build them for. You know they, they spend the money to to build them for long lives. Yep. Um, whereas you know in Australia we basically you know put a bit of twitching wire together and you know build a <laughs> mill and you know last for three years and yep. twenty years later it's a bloody falling to bits with the rust with some the some bastards to come in and refurb it yeah yeah yep, yep, yep. yep. so yeah you know, we you know we, we put travelling monos everywhere and you know back off the 103s and keep bloody pe- you know piggybacking yep. down the decline but but no, nah, look they they do they do build infrastructure very very well there so yep. that, that's probably one of our key takeaways is. Is that installed infrastructures? Yeah, world class.
0: Oh, mate, it's all, I've got international listeners. I've got to balance everyone here, mate. So, yeah, I'm keeping when we... Anything that's uh, so about Bolton and Mesh, we'll, we'll prop them up about what good they do. But, yeah, uh, mate, right, we'll have a quick breather. And I want to get next... I want to ask you about uh, the day-to-day life of being a corporate executive. And this is... Because uh, I've dealt with your assistant leading up to this and just... It just uh, it's very intriguing and you're about to hear it. We'll be back in a moment. Anyway, we'll uh, get back to Bill in a moment. I've got uh, Terry Churston here from Tasman Safety and Training. Mate, Tez, I wanted to ask you about your refuge chamber servicing uh, you provide. Uh, first of all, how often do – people probably don't know this – how often do refuge chambers need to be serviced on site?
2: It depends to do with the OEM. So we just service in line with the OEM needs. If uh, clients want extra servicing or prolonged service periods, they, we tailor to suit the client's needs.
0: Yeah. What brands of refuge chambers do you cater for? Just uh, Do you do them all? Do you just do Minarch?
2: Uh, no, we do all makes and models. So we're authorised agents for BOST. Um, we service Watricks Chambers as well as Strata and Minarch.
0: And do you supply the parts as well or do they have to order them separately?
2: All the parts and labour included in our quotes and we supply probably 99% of the parts required for a refuge chamber.
0: And how, how can someone get in contact with you if they need their refuge chambers serviced on site?
2: Uh, they can email info, I-N-F-O, at TAZtraining.com.au or get on our website, teztraining.com.au and the f- appropriate phone numbers are on the bottom of the website.
0: Too easy. right let's get back to the episode. Thanks for that, Tez. Right, Bill. Now, just it's a whole, as I said, when you come into this West Perth area, just like seeing how this uh, this side of the world lives, it's it's very intriguing and especially like... um when I was prepping to get this interview sorted, you deal with a, deal with your executive assistant and then you you just see the... Even just when I was doing me stalking research on the internet, you see all the, the photos you have, um, different photos you have taken for different news articles and it's, mate, just give us a, a brief rundown if you can without sort of sweating. Yeah just the day-to-day life of being you've been a managing director now your executive chairman just that day-to-day life of um how and how many people are actually behind the scenes making your day possible without without uh pulling your own hair out
1: Oh well mate, you know, like we always start off, I like, get in late, nine AM, go to coffee for about an hour you know, and on Thursdays take half a day off, play golf, you know, long long lunch on a Friday. You know, I wish, I wish. But yeah. no, nah, look we we um you know, we've yeah, you know, every every day's new, but um, look we, we don't have a lot of people, you know, there's in, in our office here, you know, to support, you know, sort of twenty five hundred people out on sites. We've probably got about eighty people and there's quite a few exploration and a lot of resource um, geologists here as well that boost up the numbers of what our office is. And, and because we are owner operators, a lot of accounts and accounts payable and lots of stuff. So we've got a few numbers there, probably more than a few others that, that have contractors. Mm-hmm. But we have a pretty flat structure, mate. Like um, Beck, my EA, she's EA for me, Stewie, and a couple of others. So you know, Oh, gee, she'd be a bloody uh, busy woman, <laughs> not so. Uh, eh? <laughs> I mean, her nickname's the machine. I think so, yeah. <laughs> uh, and she's the gatekeeper. But um, she does the work of about four people. But yeah. and that's a bit like everyone in Northern Star. Yeah. Everyone does the work of about four people, and uh, so it, that's that's why we have a flat structure. And, and I've I've always said that in in a resources company is. We have a very flat structure. Um, when you look at, you know, Luke Cray our COO. He's got three general managers, and, and they're the kings of our organization. They're the ones yep. that run our mines. They're the you know, revenue generating employees. We have revenue generating and non-revenue generating. Yep. I'm a non-revenue generating employee. Yep. So our revenue generating get the care and attention. If they yep. say jump, it's how high in here. So, yep. um, but you have a flat. We always have a flat structure. And I pride myself on having a flat management structure between the mine sites and us um, because you know, if you're not touching and feeling your mining, your processing, your geology on a daily basis, you'll lose track of your business really quickly in a resources company. Yep. And that's you see that in some of the, the big, larger scale companies, there's a big disconnect there. Yep. Um, and, you know, that's how we've been, I think, been able to get assets over the journey as well, because of that disconnect. So, you don't want don't to wanna go down that path. So, I think it's critical when you run a resources company, you have a flat structure there and, and hence we do that. That means we work pretty hard yep. um, because of that. Um, but that work ethic inside the team and the, and the culture is just, it's its self-fulfilling now. But, mate, day-to-day is, look, I, I just take every day at a time. I, you know, the diary gets filled up pretty quick. Yep. Um, but you try and keep as much time as free as possible. And I'm one of those people I like getting around the office and, just put you know walking into people's office see what they're doing make sure they know what i'm doing as well and you know i've got a couch in mine um, yep. it can be the counseling chair as well <laughs> at times or we can kick back and just have a beer there on a friday yep. uh, not you know afternoon after work but uh you know it's uh you know we keep an open door in in the office it's a pretty open plan where we are um which which i think works well but um mate we just you know, day to day is probably the my most important thing in each day is my daily reports that come yeah. in. If they're not in by ten AM, or hell breaks loose. There yeah, uh, right. It's yeah. um again it just comes back to that if you're not understanding what your business is doing on a daily basis and your business isn't in here, it's it's you know, six hundred Ks to Cal or buddy, you know, nine hundred Ks to Jundee or a shitload of <laughs> to Alaska. Yeah. But yeah. um those daily reports, mate, I can't emphasize that you know, you, we live and die by them on a daily basis. So yep. 10am, mate. I can tell you what yeah, I'm doing at 10am yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading the daily reports, and uh, and if there's any stuff ups, them, my crew know that it gets emailed back pretty yeah. quick and uh, fix up, or you know. Yeah, and then, look the those daily
0: reports, because uh, you've because you've been in like you had such a lot like, on site focus in your early, early days as ops Like you're you just you're always on site. Do, do you find do you lose, like, do you struggle to, it's uh, hard, hard to word this, but like, do you, you find you str- lose touch sometimes of the on site side of things when you're just reading it? Because I struggle to read a daily report, and like, I don't, uh, but I guess, I guess after all these years, you, 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 you're visualizing the mind as you're reading these daily reports. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be... I suppose it's something you have to get because you don't get that on-site exposure as much and you're just looking at a piece of paper a bit more because I personally just can't understand something until I see it underground with my own eyes sometimes. But I, I gather you just uh, you just got to
1: get used to it after all these years. Well, you start some bloody operators got to fill out their plods right. That's yeah. first thing. <laughs> that used to be my bloody absolute pain in the ass when I was a site engineer is bloody... People that wouldn't fill out their plods correctly, covered in fucking grease. Oh, <laughs> that, that didn't worry me. It was just when they friggin missed bloody information or they forgot yeah. to the lodge a plod. In the end, I just said no plod, no pay. Yeah, well, <laughs> man, that still still stands today, mate. Yeah. But um, no, nah, you, 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 you look, you do get disconnected. There's no two ways about it. You, you know, can't kid yourself. But that's why, you know, we like going and kicking out rocks. We get out the site quite regularly. Um, yeah. That's one one thing you have to do. Always go underground when I go out to the mine sites. Um, that's critical oh and you'd love it too getting back down there every time after
0: getting in the suit every day and getting the uh, getting the overalls and the PPE back on it would be a good feeling I'd be be uh rather replenishing, I'd say.
1: <laughs> oh mate everyone knows when I, when I always take Christmas, New Year's off, and, and and the first thing I do is is grab the gear and jump on a plane and go to one of the mine sites and kick some rocks for a couple of days to get back into yep. it. Yep. That's what I've done that every year. Yep, um, puts you know, put your back on feet back on the ground as well. But but yeah, now nah, look, we you, you do get a bit disconnected, but you know after a long long time of years you, you sort of know your minds and you know you know that information flow and you, you can connect it pretty well yep. um but if you weren't reading them on a daily basis you get disconnected pretty quick mm. i have to admit but you know I, I love it when those daily reports come in and and you see you know like our millennium jumbo crew um down there you know a couple of months ago i think they got 560 meters for the month one one month out of one jumbo yeah and you're and them break you know 30 metres every day and you're like you know, I even asked the guys one day I, I said fuck have we got two jumbos there because <laughs> there was a run of about 40 metres a day yeah right like, far out and it's like no 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 we haven't we've got just one jumbo I went fuck yeah. to yell?
0: <laughs> yeah. Jesus Because like, I think yeah, I think even
1: and, and Roddy,
0: Roddy Marchin, I think he's out there. He was one of the yeah. early Paulsons guys yeah. too. Yeah.
1: I, I took him on as a young fella in Queensland.
0: Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, I had um where Look, was that? Eloise, El- Eloise Coppermine when I was as yeah. yeah.
1: GM there. Yeah, yeah. Put, he put he loves him on the, the hot, track.
0: Yeah, he loves the hot mines between Eloise and Paulson. <laughs> yeah, I know. Pretty hardened over all the years. Yeah. It's uh yeah. 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 no, he's
1: a he's a great operator.
0: Yeah, yeah, God, I'd love to. It just makes me, especially my perspective, you just appreciate these guys that have been on it for decades and decades and just the, I realise how much I'm learning on it every day. And you look at these guys, how much they've learnt in another bloody 10 years beyond that. I think a shift boss rocked up the other day. He says, oh, I was on the jumbo about 20 years or so. Mate, well, I've been on it three. Tell me what you learnt in the next 17 because uh, I'm all I'm all bloody years.
1: But well, that's, it's the that's... Same, same as anything, same as any discipline. Well, I think we take it for granted here in yeah. Australia, mate. Like after going to Pogo, it was, um, fucking one of our jumbo operators over there, bloody, anyway. Um, he made a comment. It was, buddy, right. He goes, I've been doing this for 15, 20 years and we're expecting these guys these guys over here to pick it up in, in you know, 12 months type stuff. Because mm. we forget that, you know, like, you know, look at some of the old God Squad and Barmica. Oh, those guys are getting on a little bit now, you know, but mm. they've been doing it for 30-odd years. Yep. Even longer, some.
0: And still, they'd be still picking up little fin-
1: yeah. finite tricks to save a few
0: seconds here and there. Yeah, like. we,
1: we can't underestimate how well we've developed that bolting and meshing in the Australian underground scene mm. mate, because that's, you know, it's, it's not happening around the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very much so. Oh, look, and, but it is now. It is now, mate. And that's oh, uh, yeah.
0: that's uh, it's pretty going mean, to be as you said that whole North America area with Canada, North, um, US and Alaska, like as you said, it's pretty exciting to get more of a. If look in ten years' time, it'd be interesting to see how many jumbos are over there, Bolton and Mesh. Did they? What? There'll be a lot. Uh, yeah, and look, was there? You mightn't be able to put a figure on it, but you probably you probably will actually. But what? How much of a productivity increase was it to go from? The way they were doing it over there to how we do it over here is there, can you put a number on how much it actually did speed up the
1: cycle? Well, mate, the first operator we put in there did his um, induction, and it's a little bit longer. than they've got to do their 40 hours or something induction over there or whatever it is. But, you know, his first shift, first shift underground, first time he's been under the, on the machine, he, he bolted mesh three and board two. Yep. And that was a record for the mine. Yeah, right. Like, yeah absolute record yep like by hands down so look you know it, but again it's just it, you just got crews that had never seen it before as well so the productivity improvement we, we'll, we'll get we are basically gone from when we took over there was seven I think there was seven I think there was seven seven bolters and six jumbos I think it was thirteen drill machines yep and we're going to yep. take that to five jumbos yeah right so yeah and that's that's down a, to that's five a, yeah and 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 get the same meters yeah so yeah. you know that's puts you in perspective
0: yeah and look look even it, i assume as you said assume you, you're going to have to see a productivity increase but even if you didn't look at the equipment you're getting you're getting rid of and the cost of equipment. That's pretty oh, un- pretty mate, unbelievable. Even
1: yeah. even some of the equipment, like they use a lot of antiquated gear over there. Like they use using yeah. Atlas Copco jumbos with the Montebert drifters, yeah. great to change the shank in. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but you know but, you know seriously take two and a half minutes to drill a hole, and we're now drilling it in 40, 50 seconds. Yeah, you know, so just things like that, just getting the new you know latest drifters, latest you know sandviks in there yeah. and. Um, you know the productivity just from that alone's you know gone up exponential.
0: Well, they're they're pretty amazing. Those new 525 drifters, the high frequencies are just just um unbelievable. Like the what they can do, and they're just oh, they're, great. They're great to listen to. to Mate, be they're honest. on steroids, aren't they? They've got yeah, a, they've got a great. Pitch but they down. love it. They love it. Like you don't, you just they love. You got to feed the shit out of them because that's what they're built to do. Did you
1: ever did you ever hear the bloody oh. drifters on the um, Atlas Copco E two C? No, we haven't, haven't. We had seen this E two C at. Um, at Gualia, and that's what Buddy Mac was. Oh, doing. was that the
0: that had the big bullows on the back like that? She was a big oh big yeah, unit, big tunnelling yeah. jumbo, and that had yeah. um
1: I think it was thirty kilowatt drifters on it. Yeah, like, and that sounded like a you know your old two stroke motorbox squealing. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. it was it was horny, eh? Yeah, oh, you could hear it all the way down the decline. It was just. Mind you, we couldn't couldn't keep a drill string on it. Yeah, a bit too <laughs> much. We uh, used to break it like it was going out like the bloody pop sticks, but um, yeah. but yeah, I'll, yeah, there's nothing better than that sound.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've, I've I'm on the old, I'm still on the Hlx Five at the moment, but they don't <laughs> break. They, they they fucking go through anything. Those things. The, the new ones break a bit more. So it would be yeah over the long term, mate. Uh, I'll. I oh, know you've probably got places to be, and this is just—I could just keep going on with this bloody chat for ages. I mean, I'll just look at, especially if we get the feud going with Macca, we'll get a round two going, so you can um, get your own one back. And look, mate, I just can't appreciate enough um, having me in here, or just and, and given a and just just given the blokes. The bloke of Bill Beeman not the not the corporate, and it's probably a bit of breath of fresh air. You can actually come and just have a normal chat rather than <laughs> uh, having to do a big investor presentation. But look, I'd be mad not to, while I'm in here, um, get some advice off you for myself. I like use use your brains as well. I'd be stupid stupid not to. And as we've focused a lot on this episode about how much you just learn off everyone and everything, mate, you know my situation. I'd be I'm, I did mine in engineering. I've, I've gone back and forth from engineering. Probably wasn't um, and found my, pa- my passion just lied in the jumbo and it still does. I ab- absolutely love it. And I don't know how much that's um, skewed towards the cash side of things. <laughs> but, um, and uh, and I've, I look, I, I decided to just do a podcast on the side as well and look at and. Um, and do a bit of like get start up the side, I guess your business side of that as well. So I've got a, got a bit all over the shop, mate. But um, and very but a very short term outlook, unfortunately. What's mate? Give me just advice. I'm i I'm, I'm all ears, and I'll, I'll love to hear the advice from someone that's been so successful like yourself. Um, looking at a bloody whippersnapper like me doing what I'm doing. <laughs> and I
1: know I know you're going to say, go do you engineering. Uh, <laughs> Well, mate, well, I remember bloody Luke Cray, who's now my chief operating officer. When, when that little prick, I got him over at Eloise Coppermine. He was, um, I put him on as a student, second year student. And then he, he kept bloody coming back during his holidays. And then he bloody, he took off and, um, and went, did the old sabbatical, you know, took backpacking around. He, he was only three three years into a four year degree at that stage. And um, he came back and he said, oh, I want to go back. And I said, no, 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 no you're not coming back working here mate because he'd worked a, you know he basically took a year off work for a year and then did backpack and said no nah, go and finish your degree yeah and then you can come back and then go from there and you know, the rest is history and the little prick now is our COO and is yep. a superstar but um, but you you're not a lone soldier in that mate i know quite a few mining engineers that have actually you know gone down the path of just staying underground you know jared rumble's one um, yep. with burn but uh, you know a great operator um, but for me mate you just Stick with your passions in life. You know, if you're passionate about it, you know, um, it'll always work out. Play the long game. I always talk to people about their careers. There's no such thing as an overnight success. And you've covered a bit of topics about you know just what I've done in my career. There's no overnight success. It's mm. it's a build up of a number of things to get to where you are at the point of time. But if you play that long game, long game in your in your career, you'll always be successful. Yep. You know, you know, you, you take the, the quick or easy option or you jump jobs or you jump for $0.10 cents or $0.20 cents or 50 bucks a shift. You know, you've got to think about what's the long game. Does that mean stuff or if you, you know, in three years' time or two years' time you've gone from truck driver to bog operator and you pay's double, you know, instead yep. of jumping to, you know, burn cut for an extra 40, 30 or 40 bucks a shift to stay on the truck. Yeah. Um, you know, and you're still there five years down the track. Yeah. So if you play the long game and, and I still come back to the loyalty, mate. I've only... I've only had three jobs. Mm. Yeah, it's about three or four jobs in my career. That's it. Yeah. Three companies, three or four companies. So um you know, you you gotta make sure you're progressing in those companies and, and you know, bettering yourself and that sort of stuff. But but mate, play a long game and you'll get there.
0: Yep. And look and and so I guess the catalyst. Well, if you ever,
1: if you ever want to come <laughs> back as a mining engineer, I'll, I'll give you RELS number. <laughs>
0: well, that, and it's it's funny because always and a lot of these these questions are based on when I reflect on, uh, I guess what I did early days, like, like probably jumped around as I said for probably another ten grand. But like, look, I don't look, I don't regret it looking back because of the experience I did get. But I'll look at. Um, i look at because when i was at paulson's i look at stralo was the underground manager and timmy mccambridge was the um planning engineer up there and i just look at
1: timmy just got a promotion last week yeah
0: i saw that on linkedin the big fella but um i just look at um and as you said comes back to that loyalty which northern stars like buddy
1: i guess
0: got out of those people there they've and just to see what they've achieved by being loyal and and i guess it's something of um I' re- really admiring those guys and what they're but it's and as you said you played, they've played the long game and look what they're doing now. like it's um Stralo's bloody done unbelievably what he's doing he's got his head on the bloody web on the head on the bloody Google all the time and just oh, he's, said,
1: he's, he's, he's a social media buddy king in yeah I, mean, you know, he's I, like a, he's, I don't know what the right word is it for it but no he's done very well big Stralo and uh, and he deserves it but uh, and he's probably been one of the probably the best beneficiaries of the journey of Northern Star, to be honest. Yeah, um, because he's yeah done the right thing, played the long game, and, and delivered.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then look at something. No, no I said to me, he said to me, missus, like when I got the got the job with farm like because it's just especially the way the industry is at the moment. Like there's always someone say, oh look, you go work here for bloody an extra fifty bucks a shift or whatnot, and and look, it's so people get and look at you always it's so flattering to know that someone else wants you to work for them and go get a bit extra money but you just you just continually cut and ties cut and ties cut and ties and you just and i know it's something i've said to myself it's just like you gotta people give you a crack you gotta give them a crack because the as you said you spoke about when you your ops manager and bloody blokes are snatching it non-stop the think of the poor bastards on the other end that have got to fill all these positions just because you're going to get an extra bloody 10 green somewhere else. It's just, yeah. And and look, it's a big issue at the moment. imagine, especially if nickel starts taking off, it's going to be, a yeah, where all these... I, I mentioned a lot in all the episodes just where these positions are going to get filled from because there's not a... I guess everyone in mind is going to be such a valuable asset in Australia because there's going to be not enough bums on seats to fill the positions that are...
1: Mate, Mining it's, companies need You're right uh, It's exciting times To be an underground miner In, in yeah. Australia mate Because you, you've got A great career in front of you And that's You know We get that That's our DNA we, We're going to continue To expand that You know yeah that capability but um, but nickel mate yeah nickel's a bit of a worry if that kicks up but any in, in mm. miners out there mate if you haven't worked in nickel mine bad ground conditions and it's really aggressive on your oh, skin and gold, that, you know, gold's like, just beautiful be- for beautiful you beautiful now, <laughs> big gear you know it's yeah, you don't want to go to nickel mine especially those sulphide ones mate they, you know, oh
0: narrow vein you don't have to get lifted too high to hang your vent bay oh it's just always working in water is man
1: we're always working in water in the nickel in you know, the flat back and oh it's horrible man <laughs> <laughs> oh beautiful <laughs> (laughs) beautiful And and seismicity, buddy. Yeah, don't don't get me started. Uh,
0: Fantastic. Mate, Bill, thanks so much for today. I've had an absolute ball. Hopefully we get to do it again. Uh, Mate, we do a a sign-off message. Uh, What have you got for us, mate? What have you got to... uh, Mate, you can... It depends on the audience you want to cater for here, but (laughs) what's your sign-off message, mate?
1: Ah, uh, look, I listened to Mackers and I, I had a bit of a laugh because, yeah, fucking great lines. Jesus Christ, it used to piss me off too. But, um, And always put your services up on the right hangers. But, nah, look, mine is make sure you look after your workmates. Yeah,
0: good on you. Awesome. Right, thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed it. I'm sure Bill might have as well. And, uh, yeah, awesome. Make sure you bloody look after your workmates. Cheers. Anyway, that concludes my interview with Billy and I want to thank Tasman Safety and Training Services for sponsoring this episode. Now, make sure you check Tez's website out, taz He's your man for anything safety and training. Now, make sure you tell everyone about Life of Mine and I'd really appreciate it if you could share the page on Facebook and leave a rating on, and a review on iTunes, all in aid of spreading the podcast all around the world. The sky is the limit. Anyway, thanks very much, everyone, and be safe.